0: Fat Nug 3 I love reading your screen names because they be some bullshit. I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> but, you know. You know what's funny is that you, you got to be careful with the screen names, guys. I'll uh-huh. tell you why. All right, let me close it. 3- All right, stop. You got to be careful. Even though your emails may have a professional... Media is now streaming on YouTube. Thank you. Even though you might have a professional email address, you got to, you know, try and make your social media handles normal because employers and people who want to give us jobs they look at everything they look at your screen you get your email could be you know Tony Robinson. The third at gmail, but if your social media handle is big dick and balls 91 it's contradictory what contradicting it's a contradiction to the professional email, so I it's probably too late to change. Zoodles and the homie zoodles and homemade sauce, zoodles. That has to be a cute name for a, a food if you wanted to create your own food. Zoodles. Yeah, you're laughing at my my <laughs> my information, my coaching about being professional. I'm just saying your emails could be normal, but if your if your social media handle is crazy, you know what I'm saying. deep throat ninety four, but my email is Jackie Comedy at Yahoo. What what? These don't go together. So, you know, big cuff, so cool. That's why you have an Insta and a Finsta. What's a Finsta? A fake account, and a real account? I have three Insta, uh, three Instagram accounts. Honestly, all under my name, Relatable with Jackie Fabulous, Your Flaws are Fabulous, and Jackie Fabulous. And my emails all have Jackie and or Jackie Fabulous Comedian in it. And that's it because I want people to be able to find me. And even though I could do Cute Areola's 2020, I'm not gonna do that as my social media handle. I guarantee you there's a cute areola out there somewhere. What time is it? One minute. So go on on my YouTube, I'm interviewing Billy Grunfest, William Grunfest. He is the creator and the founder of The Comedy Cellar, the probably number one club in New York on the East Coast, if not the world. And fence uh, is a fake IG, They're not new. These are over a year old. I bought two more in different colors, but are they cute though? Who's who's cute though? Oh, yes, they are cute. Thank you very much. Want to see? No, I'm joking. Stop it. I love the Lord. Your Finsta can be jacked off. (laughs) People use them to troll. You know, I was telling my girlfriend that I wanted to troll a company and she's like, girl, don't jeopardize your career. Use a fake IG. So note to self. Jackie Fabulosa! Okay, go on to my YouTube. We'll link in my bio or youtube.com slash Jackie Fabulous. My guest is here, and I'll see y'all over there. Love you!
1: hello jackie relatable (laughs) how are you you're late where's your face wait where where where's my face it's right where i left it
0: no you there you go (laughs) you are live on you you're live on youtube don't say nothing crazy
1: (laughs) what i'm live on youtube yes yes well then i have to watch my language because the children might be watching oh
0: there's no children that you or i care about stop it
1: (laughs) i care about all the children all all the children professionally do you go by billy or william professionally whoever wants me gets me they can call me whatever they want (laughs) they can call me jackie fabulous they can call me jackie relatable (laughs) You're relatable, I'm inflatable. This is how we're rolling. So,
0: how are you? Are you safe? How are your kids, your
1: wife, your neighbors, everyone? Oh, you know, it's, you know, here in Bel Air, it's a lovely day for a global pandemic. And I just want (laughs) to (laughs) say. You do live in Bel Air, don't you? I do, yeah. Wow. You know, I made a couple of, uh, let's put it this way, I made a couple of good moves that were good enough to overcome all the stupid, egotistical, full of himself bullshit that I pulled off along the way too that I paid for and I had to learn some lessons. So I'll tell you that.
0: So you bought Amazon early on, is that what you're saying?
1: (laughs) No, I'm just saying that... um, you know in this business and maybe in all businesses um how talented you are that's good how hard you work that's good how fast you are that's good but you know be a mensch be a mensch what's that Was be what's mensch mensch a mensch yeah. yes mensch is a is a navajo word Oh, I thought it was a Jewish term. My bad. Yeah, it is. It is. But I say Navajo because if I say it's a Jewish term, nobody cares. But you say, <laughs> "Oh, it's Navajo." Navajo. Oh, All right. right. Respect. Yeah, sure. Respect. <laughs> because, yeah, because you know, of course, for them, you know, for, uh-huh. for the, you know, the the Native Americans, you know, time is not linear. It's it's circular, mm-hmm. and you know, they know how to live, and yeah, and we don't. We just <laughs> sit and eat herring. It's-
0: let me introduce you the proper way uh ladies and gentlemen um my guest tonight is a friend of mine you know what's funny some people in in our business might see who i am who i have befriended and be like how in the hell did you and this person meet or and or become friends so i'll start with um what what you've done you what i know of feel free to throw in anything you want just barrage for credits but what i know is that you are a golden globe winner um for yes. the for the tv show mad about you you guys that Some was of... my
1: big hit my big hit. my yep. blood my guts is in every episode of that sitcom oh, you you are the writer and producer of it well the is a strong word <laughs> which one is it <laughs> i'm the only person you'll meet who will take issue with your articles <laughs> <laughs> i don't well, mind you're... your nouns your adjectives but you use a word like the (laughs) you're like hey (laughs) you turn around a word like the no it was very much a team effort oh yeah the people that worked on that show uh it was like working with the 1963 new york yankees it was mantle and maris and whitey for i mean it was it was people who you better bring it because they, these are people who function at a very high level so uh yeah, that was that was a great team and but yes, uh, uh, writer, producer, and um of and the american of, all, of the American
0: version for how long
1: uh we we seven seasons, okay. And then uh, you say the American version because you're also going to talk about the Chinese version of it, too.
0: I remember I emailed you. You were like, hey, I'm overseas doing the show in Asia. And I'm like, excuse me? That's an option?
1: Yeah. (laughs) They love me in Beijing. They (laughs) love me. (laughs) And how did that go? Great. Yeah, great. It was a big hit. Um, What I discovered i discovered many things. Uh, one of the things I discovered is that if you do a show about a guy and his wife and a dog in an apartment in a big city, people relate to that. Relatable. It is relatable all over the world. Yeah. It translates the iconography, if I may use that word, mm. like that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> giving you shit for the, and I <laughs> Whip a little iconography on. You. <laughs> uh, what? my you- I roll, you know. There's 26 letters in the English language. I rearrange them.
0: Hey, <laughs> you did. You did the American version, the version in Asia, yes. and you're also a stand-up comedian. I love how you guys like to leave that out. Whenever you guys give your credits, I'm like, hey, hey, hey. I don't care about any of that shit. Aren't you a comic?
1: Well, it's funny yeah. you should say that, Uh yeah. I, I don't mean funny necessarily laugh-provoking funny, uh, which is the same thing that could be said about my act. <laughs> it's funny. It's not laugh-provoking funny, but it's funny. It's funny and peculiar. It's peculiar more than funny. It's funny <laughs> odd as opposed to funny like what we're think. doing now at mm-hmm. my expense. Um, um, it's funny you should say that because uh, at heart I am a comic. I'm a stand up comic mm-hmm. who, along the way, um, leveraged a skill set that fed my existence as a stand up comic, but also I learned how to use those same tools and maybe add a few more tools. Uh, so that the career uh, was was wider than uh, I don't want to say even just stand up comic, because there's nothing just about it. No, um, there's nothing, and I mean that in all the ways. There's nothing just Mm-mm. about it. No. There's no, justice in it, and there's nothing only about it. It is you know the 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 alpha and the omega.
0: Yes, even even my diarrhea is a comedian. Every part of it. Why? So Why would you say something? If like you that can do iconography,
1: I can talk about my poop. N- n- no, no, there's it's live on YouTube and and there's you know, tubing and there's people <laughs> watching and children and. <laughs> you know what you remind me of? Wow. Last night I had an episode that two
0: nights ago where I had a black male comedian, Alex Thomas. You may or may not have heard of him. And he's like you, where he is a stand up comic and tours, but his credits are so long in terms of other things that are not stand up related. He, you know, voiceover, cartoon writer on Fresh Prince of Bel Air for a while. And he's like, when you get, when you decide that this is it, you realize that this is not going to be it. Meaning, I'm not only going to tell jokes, I can write, I can sing, I can perform, I can create. And you have, I, I'm learning that stand up comedy does not have to be. My only way to stay in the entertainment business, because at first I'm like, I, if I'm not telling jokes, do I even exist? And I'm like, well, I could also, you know, write and create stuff. And you've done that because you also, for, I think his full name, guys, William Grunfest, oh. otherwise known as Billy Grunfest, G R U N D F E S
1: T. Well, now people are going to Google and they'll show up at the house. I don't. Yes, even
0: know. yeah. And what is it? You also did a Was it a documentary or a show about Richard Pryor? What was that called? Well,
1: you left off, you know, so many of my credits. I so said that.
0: go on and let I, I want you to tell
1: us. Tell us some of them. Well, let's talk about me. Yes, please. That's what I here Because my wife's not home and she <laughs> doesn't allow it. She <laughs> doesn't allow it. She's not allowed. If I say one thing about me, all of a sudden it's oh again with the you. <laughs>
0: And to have a woman say to you, tell me about you,
1: doesn't ooh, happen. Oh, oh, ooh, oh. I just got a little, uh, you know. I,
0: I want to know, you, way before Mad About You, was that before? Did Richard Pryor come before Mad About You or after?
1: Oh, no, much, much, much much after. First, first, let me get the fancy stuff out of the All way. Right, yeah, so, go on, hit us. So the goal. Golden Globe what? Award, that's nice. Yes. And then I have a, a, a Peabody Award that I never mentioned because nobody knows what it is. Nobody yes, knows they, what is a Peabody. Yes, they do. But it's actually a very classy award. And then I have three Emmy nominations, which I, I lost uh, each time.
0: Well, it wouldn't be nominations if you won them. They'd be Emmy. Um,
1: there's that legal mind. <laughs> well, go ahead. <laughs> there's that Jackie J.D. fabulous jurisprudence. Prudential I'm just brain. Saying. Word smirts. Go ahead. <laughs> yeah. It's uh, you know, being nominated is very good until then you lose because you you go in and you're wearing a tuxedo and everybody is nice to you and then you leave, you a big fat loser.
0: But you look nice.
1: <laughs> you you do look nice, but feels <laughs> bad for you. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I just might you know, it would be good just to be a perpetual nominee, you know. Susan so so losing I don't need to win or not win or just be nominee, you know, one of the five. That would be nice, you know. I don't yeah. need more than that. <laughs> um but the the uh the show you're you're bringing up some very interesting things, Jackie. Um yeah, please. the Jack the uh the Richard Pryor project, uh that I I was I I wrote and produced the final two projects of Richard's career. Oh. Uh, of, of his life.
2: <gasps> I didn't know
1: that. Yeah. And uh, they were. it was a, a, a terrific experience. So one of them I did for Showtime. Uh, it was called Prior Offenses. And what I did was, and the other one was called, um, was for Comedy Central, and it was a documentary, kinda, um, that included John Stewart and Mose Def and George Lopez and uh, Colin Quinn and Whoopi and just uh, uh. so many great people uh, sharing their thoughts about Richard and his career. And uh, it was really, it, w- it was a really cool project. It, it wasn't like any other Talking Head documentary that you, you will see, it's nested around his act. So that each, each act, each section of that documentary was focused on a different uh, subject that he would deal with uh, in his, in his act. Mm
3: -hmm.
1: I haven't seen it in a long time, but anyway, um, and that was called uh, the, uh, I titled that the Richard Pryor, I ain't dead yet, motherfucker, comedy special, comedy special. Are you are you joking I, right now? Was that the whole title? That is the whole title. <laughs> okay. <laughs> because I felt that, that that if Richard was at the controls, that that's what he would have called it. He would have uh-huh. called it the Richard Pryor. I ain't dead I ain't yet. Ain't dead yet, mother- motherfucker. Yeah. <laughs> comedy special. Comedy special. Uh-huh. So the uh, the other one, the uh, Pryor Offenses, that starred Eddie Griffin. Uh, and he did a phenomenal job. He did a phenomenal job. Um, but what I did with that show was, and the fact that there is a title page for a script, and also on screen, but as a writer, uh, the fact that it's a title page of a script yes. that says, written by Richard Pryor and Billy Grundfest, it's like, wow. it, for, for a comic, it's like, a song written by Lennon McCartney and Billy <laughs> Gruntfest. <laughs> yeah. That's oh, wow. that's how big that is. That was one of those moments that I felt like, you know, I don't care what else happens in yeah. my career. Yeah. Uh, this is really great. Wow. And it was also it was a great script, and and we shot it in in Canada. Mm-hmm. And uh, Eddie Griffin was. What I did was I took Richard's stand-up, and I, if I can use the word, deconstructed. Because I already used the word iconography. <laughs> and you know, you're in for a dime. You're in for a dollar. You know what I'm saying? huh. So if we can do, I can, We've done iconography, uh, deconstructed, and motherfucker. So. <laughs> And those are the three, those are the three words you want to use really as often as possible. <laughs> uh-huh. um, the, the, uh, what I did was I deconstructed his, his standup into its component parts so that, um, all so that out of, let's say, all the stuff that he does about women,
3: mm-hmm.
1: about white women, yeah. I, I, I would that was one section, that became one character. Mm-hmm. And then what he, all his stuff about black women, that was all comp- into a character. Mm-hmm. The goal of what he did about his grandmother,
3: character,
1: mm-hmm. about his father and mother, character, dog, character. Um, because I, I, I said to myself, could I, his talking about his life because that's what what he did you know yeah. one of the things that made richard see the thing about richard i know i'm digressing but no this is all part of the program this did so i got digressing and iconography and uh um deconstruct motherfucker. and motherfucker. yes that's four now <laughs> keep count kids keep count of the multi the polysyllabic bullshit that billy's throwing around all right um, so so um he was you know such a master at not just being autobiographical and being authentic because a lot of you you could use that word to describe it you know a million guys in, mm-hmm. in comics but he went to a depth of pain yeah that nobody else has the guts to go to he opens a vein yes for your dining and dancing pleasure-
3: mm-hmm.
1: and the the um this the, the the subtitle of prior offenses uh you know the phrase uh laugh till you cry hmm Well, the subtitle here was, Cry Till You Laugh. Oh, That's me every night. (laughs) (laughs) No, that's the audience at The Late Show.
0: Oh, okay. I thought it was me me and COVID in my room. But anyway, go ahead.
1: So uh, what I did was I wanted to make it a film. I wanted to make this. Let's put these characters that he's talking about, including himself let's make them three-dimensional human beings let's Mm -hmm. see the conflicts let's see it play out yeah um so and, and what was interesting about that was he was uh like for instance you know the bit about his grandmother beating him with a switch yeah right well so what we did was we would have eddie eddie griffin right he played the the Richard character,
3: mm-hmm.
1: um, he'd be on stage and he'd be doing that bit, right? And the audience is laughing about how this grand, this fearsome grandmother, and he, she made him go out in the woods and find the switch so that she could beat him with it, yeah. and all, right? And the audience is laughing, right? But then we do a flashback while he's on stage, flashback to the actual event.
3: yeah.
1: And it's not funny at all to see this fearsome woman mm-hmm. and this six year old boy being raised in a whorehouse in Peoria and being beaten with it. You know, there's nothing funny about that. No. But it was beat for beat what he was talking about and getting laughs. Yeah. And then. Yeah. So we'd see the thing happen in 3D, in three dimensions. And then I'd pre the audience laughter on the way back. So we'd end up back on stage with him getting laughs, telling the story. It was like whiplash. It was mm-hmm. like comedy whiplash. It's like taking his, this classic bit and pulling it inside out mm-hmm. and showing you, don't you realize the depths that this man is going to, the the vein he's opening, the pain that he's willing to encounter
3: mm-hmm.
1: and create from that clay, comedy gold. Yeah. You know, so it, it was, and, and then I would, when I would show him a cut, because he was at a point where you know he couldn't he couldn't really he couldn't really collaborate anymore and he didn't need to mm-hmm. he said everything he has to say yeah you know he, he he had done it you know it's like guy writes the ten commandments what are you going to say you know
3: mm-hmm.
1: dude i wrote the ten commandments how, yeah how do you figure it out yeah <laughs> um but i would show him uh these cuts and he he would look away for the he couldn't watch the flashbacks wow it was it was just too painful for Ugh. him to see the yeah. flashbacks yeah so anyway though but I, i'm glad we're talking about this because people think that comedy is a joke and good comedy um and when i when i say good i don't mean all good comedy it has to be listen norm crosby died and it broke my heart
0: oh i I'm, just saw that yeah I, I, i'm not gonna lie i'm like he's still alive I kind of thought he'd already passed. Yeah,
1: well, you know, he's in ninety something.
0: Yeah, that's why.
1: So I, I don't want—I I don't want to say you know good comedy. I would say, but when, 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 when you talk I have a, about... while you
0: think about it, I have a—you said something to me when we were in LA a couple of years ago, and went to the Ha Ha Cafe, and I forced you to do the open mic with me. <clears throat> and all the comics that were going up you know they were really critical instead of just letting loose and having fun and you said something that i have been quoting since that night you said uh stand-up comedy slash open mics are not for you to find the funny it's for you to find yourself you said this Uh years ago and i and i cried inside because i'm like that's deep does anybody else know how deep that is and it's been in my mind and i now if i go to an open mic and listen to the comics, critique themselves, and they're like, ah, I bombed. And I I have said many times, there's no bombing at open mic. Who gives a shit? You had, you had a dream about cats? Just figure out the dream on stage. So since you said that, I've, I've let go of the whole, when I'm working on new stuff, there is no bombing. I'm trying to find what I want to be, who I want to be in that particular set. So I hear what you were saying now.
1: Well, but, but let's talk about you for a second because it- I don't know how many of the people how many people that are watching right now or that will watch this later when yeah thousands will watch it later later now for the two people that are watching
0: let's see how many go ahead keep going
1: oh can you tell
0: i can look at my youtube but usually i the viewership is more impressive when it's over i don't know why
1: because then people start telling each other and
0: 19 people watching right now it'll be a thousand tomorrow.
1: i want to know who i want (laughs) to know i want to know which 19 people (laughs) put it put in the chat put in your little handle there whatever they call it now handle like i'm i don't
3: know why i
1: have the volume up okay go ahead go ahead with your story i'm doing cb radio hey what's your handle big daddy (laughs) Ten (laughs) Four. convoy coming through Uh (laughs) 1978 um but talking about you i don't know how many of the 19 people have seen you on stage i probably most of them
0: or or none because a lot of people I, I thought when i did uh america's got talent that more people would be oh i know who she is but now with my working so hard on my own youtube channel and just this, this show people online are like i never heard of you but i like you <laughs>
1: Well, you guys don't watch TV, yeah. Go ahead. If you uh, can ever see Jackie in person, or, I mean, Jack, you're a killer. You are a killer. You people cannot follow you. Stop it. Um, no, I'm not. I'm not saying that. I already got the job. I don't care. (laughs) I'm. (laughs) I'm telling everybody. I'm telling the whole world. Nineteen people at a time because that's how I roll Mm -hmm. I go efficiency efficiency I don't tell one at a time no (laughs) no it's viral baby 19 at a time (laughs) Um, you are a killer so I don't want people hearing uh, you talk about open mics and finding yourself etc etc as if as if that is the stage that you're at you are you crush there is nothing left. No <laughs> I pity the fool as they say who has to follow you. Oh stop it. No, I'm telling you, I would I would close every show with you because there's nothing who who is gonna You tell me who's gonna follow Jackie. Okay, first of <laughs> all, the club that I frequent the most
0: now, well before COVID, is uh was your home your baby, and plenty of comics there, they tear the the paint off the walls and they follow me with no problem.
1: Well, (laughs) that's another way of looking at it, certainly. Uh, Uh,
0: Admittedly, to receive this compliment, I will say I do get put up last a lot. A lot, you see? But I'm not, but every now and then you don't always feel like a compliment. You're kind of wondering like, why am I getting thrown up last all the time slash is this a good thing I'm always last so I'm not really always you know like it's a good thing but it happens often so that you know
1: it doesn't surprise me if if I were still booking the show I'd probably close shows with you too because you because it's sticking the landing it's um it's the mic drop that's it you know back to you all right and thank Uh, you you're welcome (laughs) <laughs> you know, I know how hard it is to hear a compliment for a comic. Because they
0: tell you that you should never accept them or, or, or get them or... Ooh, who tells you? I don't them know. It's it's a, it's a humil- There's a humility that other comedians make you feel like coming out that you should always have because I know so many killers. I know most of the people I look up to and who are in my life for real, they're, they're murderers on stage.
1: Yeah, no, I'm not saying you're the only one. I'm I didn't not, say oh, that. I'm just you're saying the only person. No, I know you're not saying that. And I'm not saying that. I'm just okay. saying that you are a person who can close a show. Thank you. Okay. Not... Well, that's a nice segue. Let's go there. As opposed you... to me, I'm a person who can close a club. <laughs> but then
0: try the salmon, tip your waitress, that's good. Speaking of that, so you or drew- try, try the
1: waitress and tip your salmon that's all right. Too. <laughs> oh. I've, I've tried many waitresses and I had more luck with the salmon to tell you the truth.
0: <laughs> you you bought a hard hat and made some blueprints and got a hammer and some nails and walked down to McDougal Street. And oh. you you are the founder, creator, builder, maker of the Comedy
1: Cellar. Yeah, we're 27 minutes into this bullshit. And now you bring up that I'm the founder of the comedy. Yeah, well, first of all, you were talking and I wanted I love when you talk.
0: And second of all, what's the matter with the last wait, half hour being about the comedy seller? Wait, wait, say
1: say say that again, that part. I like say.
0: hearing you talk.
1: Oh. <laughs> I'm married 20 years. You know how long it's been since I've heard that those words? 20 years.
0: <laughs> I love hearing you speak.
1: Oh my god.
0: Oh. <laughs> okay, you have you get a cigarette. I'll tell these guys. Guys, getting... the the comedy seller, the one on McDougal, the world famous, this man built it with his own hands. I own I wanna, it. I, I want to know why when how why that block, why that street, why open a comedy club? And how did it get so popular? What did you have to do with it? What year was all this? What were you doing when you opened it? What was your job? Was it your full-time job or part
1: on the side? Go. Each one of those questions is a different podcast. No, no, it's not.
0: Oh, oh you can definitely we can make this a 19 parter. We're friends forever.
1: I'm saying. <laughs> well, h- here's the thing. Yeah. Um, I've been doing whatever it is that I do mm-hmm. since I'm five years old. That's way back, Go ahead. way back. <laughs> Uh, I know that this is a bigger backswing than you expected when you asked, How did I found the <laughs> comedy seller? but you know you ask you brought up salmon, you know, so let's go upstream and find where they spawned, yes. and then if the bear doesn't eat us, then we'll be able to continue the line, okay um, so my my parents. <laughs> You went up a little bit. You got a little bit older. Okay. (laughs) I went to five, and then I went.
0: Well, let's eight, nine-ish. Yeah,
1: go ahead. Even before, even (laughs) before five. Oh yeah, before that. Yeah. Yeah, So my my parents were immigrants. My parents came to America in 1951 after World War II. I don't know if you uh, heard about it. From where? Where did they come from? Well, uh, the most recent place was, they met in a, uh, in a refugee camp in uh, Austria. Oh, wow. Uh, right, before, yeah, so my mother started in the part of Poland that kept becoming Russia, and then Poland, and who knows what it is, mm-hmm. and then the Nazis were coming from this way, and then the Russians were coming from this way, and they, they put the whole village on a train and shipped them to Siberia. So she spent, in literal Siberia, she spent the war in Siberia with the, the friggin' snow and the Eskimos. Uh-huh. And, uh, and then not a lot of Eskimos in Siberia, but um, it might have been. Who knows? A lot of Jewish Eskimos in Siberia. So that's what happened. You know, there was an Eskimo village in Siberia, and the Jews moved in, and it killed the neighborhood. And the Eskimos said, "I'm not living with a bunch of fucking Jews." And then before you know it, everybody's having Purim. So I did Purim because it starts with a P, and uh, you know, I figured if I hit the P hard enough. People won't realize there's no joke there, but if I hit the p- 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 and keep going, it'll it you know it's a little Rob Williams kind of thing. So anyway, my point is this: uh, because if you keep moving, they can't hear you. Didn't get a laugh. So my point is this: I learned everything from Robin. My point is this: yes. So then, uh, so she was in, in, in Siberia during the war. My father was in uh, the Russian military, somehow, never talked about it.
3: Mm-hmm. And then,
1: after the war, they met in uh, a refugee camp in, in, uh, in Austria. Mm-hmm. Then they came to America. And so, my earliest memories really were about being, were um, about taking upon myself the responsibility for elevating mood and that was my little job uh i felt my first you know conscious memories really were looking at these people and going the not not in these words because i was five but feeling like these are the most solemn sad people, if somebody does not start telling some jokes around here, we're going to be like this for fucking ever. <laughs> ever. Uh-huh. And I was an early reader and I would I, I read the uh, Archie comics and in the back of the Archie comics, mm-hmm. there would be jokes, you know, like knock, knock jokes. you Yeah. Know? I remember them. And so I would go into the dining area, in our little apartment you know we start we started listen we started poor you know 165th street and broadway you know a block away from the museum of the uh, american indian they called it uh, mm-hmm. back to the navajo see this is why the navajo blood it runs within me uh of course not as many navajo get bar mitzvah uh, anymore but <laughs> the, what is my point my point is so then I would I would you know start with knock knock jokes cuz I didn't have any material. Yeah. A, a condition a condition that many audiences will tell you persisted. <laughs> he's so nice and he's very amusing, but he actually has no material. They would <laughs> say that to each other and <laughs> as, as I was doing crowd work they'd go he's very amusing but no discernible material. <laughs> uh-huh. And um, so I would say to them, uh, so I would, do, you know, do knock-knock jokes. And, uh, you know, try doing knock-knock jokes to people who just learned English. Mm. You know, you think you've seen tough crowds. You think the late show at, at, at the Chuckle Hut in, in Jersey is is tough on Friday night. No. Are they open? Try- <laughs> 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 really, right now, who cares? Give me a stage and a crowd, right? I'll, I'll go right now, but go ahead. I'm <laughs> so uh so that's that's where i started and and uh, and and so it started with elevating my mother's mood mm-hmm. that generalized to my father's mood general, not my brother because i didn't care but um <laughs> he's on his own um no i yeah. love him he's great he's the, one of the most fabulous guys
3: uh-huh.
1: you'll ever meet um he's he's the most honest person you know he's the smartest and the most honest person that you'll ever meet and let me ask you this question jackie fabulous here's yes, a here's a, a legal moral ethical question yes he's a person who doing something dishonest would not even occur to him it wouldn't even enter his mind and so he's always honest i however consider doing dishonest things constantly <laughs> but i don't do them You're human. Which of us is the better person?
0: Uh, Better is relative, good is relative. Sometimes you have to do what you have to do regardless of whether or not it's horrible. No, 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 I never do anything dishonest.
1: I never, but
0: I think about it. So so that means you might kill a small family at some point before you die.
1: Cause it's all pent up in fire like an ulcer. I'm the better person. I'm the better person because I consider doing something wrong. And then don't. Okay. And that makes me a better person.
0: One could say that his heart is more pure because he always does the right thing. And you're Are corrupt. Are you gonna take his fucking side. Are <laughs> you gonna? This this line of questioning I object to. First of all, what's the
1: relevance? All right. Oh, I love the irrelevance. You know, every time I go to the zoo. <laughs> and By the way, oh, my, my wife God. and I got married at the Los Angeles Zoo. Were you broke? No, no, it was no. It's no. It costs a couple of shekels to okay. get to the zoo. No, oh, we, it was a night. Nice, it was a good thing. It was a good thing. We get catered okay. and everything, and the elephants were there, and they watched the whole thing. And what idea was that? It was, we we love animals. We've got so many animals in this house. It's unbelievable. We've got dogs. We've got cockatiels. We've got rabbit. We've got a chicken. We've got a bearded dragon. None of those got, are zoo animals. Those are all basic home pets. They're not home pets. You try feeding all those things all at the same time. Everybody has needs in this house. Plus, I have two a dream. Kids.
0: I have a dream where I do want chickens one day. I love fresh eggs. Anyway, we are off
1: track. Get okay, back so to-, to the comedy <laughs> cellar. Yeah, six <laughs> thirty-seven. We got twenty-three minutes left, and I'm still, I'm still, I'm not even out of Austria yet.
0: No, there's no. You're not. There's no time limit. You, you, you oh. have a lot. You have a busy life. I want to go just to bed. I want to
1: know. I want to know how many of the nineteen people have lost consciousness. No, they're now thirty-one. Thirty-one. Yes. Oh my God! i there. it. <laughs> um, you missed the part where I was telling everybody how great Jackie is. There's twelve people who missed the part where I was because thirty-one minus nineteen is twelve. Uh, they missed the part where I was saying how wonderful you are.
0: I'm gonna well. re- I'm gonna repost all this where everyone will see everything later.
1: Okay. Yeah. So then, um, so elevating a uh, mood. Uh, became my reason for living.
2: Oh, wow.
1: And when you look, when I look at the arc of my career, Mm -hmm. that is the clear operating system. Mm. That is the organizing principle for everything that I've done. Mm -hmm. They all look very different because uh, a stand-up comic, the things that I've done, stand-up comedy, I uh, had a radio show on NBC in New York. You did? Uh, yeah, for WNBC before they sold the station. WNBC, 66, WNBC, Wild Bill Grunfest here, the Wild Bill Grunfest show. It's 14 minutes after six. Um, <laughs> You were that guy. People's. You were that so guy. Okay. I, I was that guy. When Howard Stern got fired, it created an opening. And I'll tell you that story, but you're asking about the comedy seller. So... Um, So then um, from a very young age, that's been my operating principle, uh, elevating mood. Uh, They would send us to camp every summer. Who's they? My parents. My parents would send my brother and and, and me to, not my brother and I, my brother and me. They would send me to camp. That's it, folks, really the I and the me thing, i have it up to here everybody trying to pretend that they're educated by misusing the i no there's no shame in saying me sometimes that's the grammatically correct thing for god's sake say me i mean don't say me don't say oh yeah and then billy what no send you me not the me me the you me uh, okay <laughs> Hope that's clear so uh so then they would you know in Los Angeles, if you send your children uh, away for a weekend, for a weekend, yeah. you are considered, oh, what yeah. a great parent, you're, you're, you know, the independence that the children must, uh, you know, for a weekend. Uh-huh. In New York, in those days, they sent you away for two months. Oh, yeah. To sleepaway camp.
3: sleep uh-huh. camp. No,
1: and then they had the balls to tell you that it was some kind of sacrifice on their part. Uh-huh. No. What are you two months without having to be a parent? Are you kidding me? Then then you get the month before where you're coasting because you're going, okay, I get through this month and then they're gone for two months. And then you have the month after because you're refreshed because you didn't have the kids for two months. So that's four months out of the year that your parenting is bullshit, total, <laughs> thorough, deep bullshit. Reel you in. Okay, we're getting to the comedy seller. So but then <laughs> In the summers in camp, I was like a Mel Brooks. I was like a seven year old Mel Brooks. I would yeah. be part of the, the 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 counselors that would be writing sketches and song parodies for color war and for the different you know. Mm-hmm. And that's that's where I, I I more fully uh professionalized it and I okay. learned how to write sketches and how to be in oh. sketches all and right. do all that. Uh, it, and and found my myself at a very early age. I know it, it doesn't seem like, but I realized early on that I was a um a neurotic New York glasses wearing Jew.
0: so and there's so few of those in this so, city. Few. so and few. I
1: realized I realized then who who I was. okay, and then, um, and then you know in 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 school, um and then in college uh in college is where i started um where'd you go what school did you go to i went to penn went to okay university of not penn state not penn state (laughs) yes Penn State.
0: i know snob okay we get it snob go ahead
1: (laughs) oh but it was a long time ago it was a much easier school to get into (laughs) it was a long time ago it was so long ben franklin was still provost that's how long (laughs) and it wasn't just quakers it wasn't just quakers with the with the football team no it was actual quakers Actual actual quakers and uh i started doing stand-up uh for real uh in college okay this is is before anybody was doing stand-up in in those days if there were made, i mean norm crosby was working and maybe maybe 300 other human beings were comedians in the country maybe really? there was nobody nobody was working well was that what was it 70s 60s yeah, 80s se- no, 70s okay yeah so 1972 73 74 75 76 these were um if if you didn't know the i mean the it was I didn't even think there were 300 professional comedians wow. in, in the country. I don't know who they would be because you knew the people on the Ed Sullivan show and they were all the Jackies, like not the Jackie fabulous, but there was Jackie Vernon, Jackie Mason, and you know, Jackie, uh, there was like nine Jackies.
3: Mm-hmm. And,
1: um, but if you weren't on television and you weren't in the Catskills, you know, Dick Capri, Freddie Roman, you know, those people, um, you didn't you didn't exist. So mm-hmm. uh I started doing stand-up and I started creating performance spaces in college. That, mm-hmm. That's where it really the, the cellar really started for me in college where I would turn um unused storage rooms into comedy spaces. Wow. One of which remains to this day at uh in, in, in the quad. I turned it into I, I physically, you talk about, Oh, Bill took a uh, hammers and yeah. yeah. no, it was a storage room. I physically cleaned the place because it had low ceilings yeah. and brick walls Dark. and mahogany wood. And it, they were using it to store chairs and tables. And I said, do you mind if I, and they said, eh, do whatever you want.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: And, uh, Turned it into a, it's called the Rathskeller, mm-hmm. and it's it seats maybe sixty people. Yeah, just a sweetest cherry of of a room. Oh my God, so intimate and mm-hmm. warm. Um, you just walk into the place. Yeah, and you you you, you get that. You you yes. know, you're, you're a bad crowd walks into that place becomes a good crowd. Okay. So anyway. Um, but I would do that with uh, student lounges, you know, the 10th floor lounge at at, uh, at uh, High Rise North, you know, comedy show, you know, <coughs> Thursday, eight o'clock, come. Yeah. <coughs> uh, and there'd be 10 people, there'd be 20 people, it'd be whatever it is. yeah. I didn't, right and I didn't know what I was doing. Uh, and we would talk, <laughs> I would talk, oh my God, I haven't told these stories in so long. Yay. There was a club in Philadelphia called Grendel's Lair, okay. downtown Philly, and uh, I would talk the owner of it into letting us do shows after his show. So if they had, you know, Bonnie Raitt or somebody come in, typically folk singers, you know. I love um, Bonnie Raitt. Yeah. So in those days, she was schlepping around. Yeah. You know, and and she's, I think she's from Philly, from that area. Okay. So I would say say to him, hey, look, we'll do a show after, right? Free, Mm -hmm. you don't have to pay us, nothing, right? You sell a few extra drinks and we get some stage time and everybody's happy. Yeah. And he would say on occasion, he'd say, okay. Yeah. So turning unused space into a space for comedy is something that goes way back for me. Mm. And when I moved after college, I moved to Boston uh, and I had a radio show in Boston on WITS, W-I-T-S Information Talk and Sports, um, <laughs> the Red Sox station. I had a comedy show. I, uh-huh. here's, here's what I sold them on. Um, it, I had a weekend show, uh, Saturday and Sunday nights from 7 to midnight.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: and I would play comedy albums, cuts from comedy albums yeah. as if I used the clock. Of a music show, so it was the same format as a music show. In but instead of playing, you know, the Beatles or whatever, I'd play Bill Cosby. You know, here's Cosby with Noah. You yeah. know, here's uh, um, you know, Bob Newhart. You know, with uh-huh. King Kong, going whatever. Yeah. And and I would take calls from listeners, and I would yeah. do all that. Um. So I started my first comedy club in Boston, actually, at the back room of a place called the springfield street saloon saloon okay yeah it was a chuck wagon themed restaurant okay because uh why not Mm -hmm. it had it had an actual stagecoach. it had a wagon wheel it had and um and back there i actually i think i put uh stephen wright on stage for the first time wow yeah and I also so I did I did two good things for comedy. One okay. is I, I, I gave Steven uh I think his first platform. Wow. And uh the other is there was another guy, I will not mention his name, uh, because I don't know if he likes this story or not. Okay. And he's very, very rich now. And I don't want him to hurt me. <laughs> okay. That is my operating system. Don't All hurt right. me. <laughs> Um this guy uh created software that became extremely popular and got bought um and made him you know one of these gazillionaires. Yes. But he was a terrible stand-up comic. <laughs> terrible. Before he created this software, he would come to the Springfield Street Saloon, you know, to the back room, mm-hmm. and uh And I told him, I said, listen, uh, I don't even want to use his first name. I said, listen, you're a smart guy. You're a nice guy. Mm -hmm. This is not a thing for you. Yeah. Don't, don't do this. Don't waste your life (laughs) pursuing something for which you clearly have no ability. This is, I say this from love. Don't do this to yourself. What else are you doing with your life? How many times did you have to see him tank before you pulled him aside and gave him that talk? Well, it, it, you know, you, you've raised two different questions. One is, <laughs> yes. um, I saw him enough. Okay. <laughs> okay. And the other is, Billy, do you listen to the audience? when you're assessing someone if you have to assess somebody
3: Mm.
1: and and you see that is how i parsed out those two things yeah and the answer is i do but it's not dispositive uh because there are people who you know there are comics who can can kill Mm. but who might not be quote, right for what it is I'm trying to do at that point.
0: That's my and whole career. That's your whole career? Every audition I did not get. They're like, we love you, but bye-bye.
3: <laughs>
0: Almost well,
1: every, well, go ahead. Well, you, you know, you, you could ask Jon Stewart uh, how many times he came in second ah. to all the job. you know? it. it there's, you know, the, the, the kind of standard joke is, you know, it came down to two people, me and the guy who got it. Yeah, that's, that's that's me a lot of the times. Yeah, I've yeah. learned to come to grips with that. That's just the way it is. <laughs> yeah, but, you know, it's, it's. Um, I'll tell you, Jackie, I'll tell you what I've <laughs> only told.
0: Only me,
1: only me, Good. I'll tell you what I've told uh, many people. Yes. Um, uh, specifically John, John Stewart, mm-hmm. and, uh, Bill Maher. Okay. When we, when we were still speaking to each other. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but, um, Feel free
0: to tell that story if you want. I no, love it. Now, no,
1: no. Right, you brought
0: it up. So I'm just giving no. you the
1: option. But they, they actually <laughs> both, both experienced kind of similar things where, you know, John was the host for a Paramount show called the John Stewart Show, it was a a talk show. Yeah. You know, a typical talk show.
3: Yeah.
1: And it lasted, I think, one season. Wow. And, and, and Bill uh, was uh, the host of a syndicated talk show.
3: Mm
1: -hmm. uh, I think it was called America all night or something like that.
3: Mm -hmm.
1: And uh, they replaced him with uh, David Brenner. And uh, you know, as I said to him, I said the reason they replaced you with David Brenner is because they could, it i implored both of them to uh not try to play somebody else's game mm. uh not be a commodity um mm-hmm. because the I, I implored both of them to do what it is that only they Can could do, do. yeah and in both cases they they had unique abilities. Mm-hmm. Um, the difference between them and some of the quote political comedians of the day, and I put it around quotes because a lot of times, what a quote political comic does is they will make some sort of um, setup, some sort of you know, some sort of left of center political statement, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. then tag it with an alleged joke. Mm. And the the comic level of the joke is really kind of, you know, okay, fine. Yeah,
2: kind of a throwaway.
1: Is, oh yeah. It's it's nothing that you would write and go, oh, that's that's great. Um
0: yeah.
1: you know, low level of difficulty kind of thing. With mm-hmm. those two guys, it was the actual observation itself that was laugh provoking. Ah. You know, and that's that's different, especially with John.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: you know
1: john's observations themselves are laugh-provoking mm. um uh, bill when he's not doing the monologue now is like that
2: okay
1: when he's doing the monologue he's doing carson you know it's yeah. and it's it's um and it's great mm-hmm. it's great but it's it's yeah. just a Johnny Carson monologue.
2: Yeah,
1: great. Um, but anyway, uh, my point is, if you can play to your strength, if you can create a demand mm. that can only be filled by you,
2: ah, yeah,
1: then you'll have zero competition. Mm. Now you may find the audience for that is very small or very big hmm but you won't have any competition for that audience gotcha and I think that that is true uh, whether you're a comic or whether you are graduating college and trying to figure out mm-hmm. you know, what do I do with my life yeah or whatever uh, if you can uh, find a way to create a demand that only you can fill mm-hmm. That's a good place to be. And what that usually requires is uh, finding an intersection of two sets in in the Venn diagram. Now, I've done iconography, I've done deconstruct, I've done motherfucker, now I'm doing Venn diagrams for you.
0: Were you ever a teacher or a professor at the
1: university level? I feel like you have been. Uh, We'll we'll leave it for another. But anyway, so the comedy seller. The comedy seller. so then when i wanted to so i moved to new york um and i was doing the college circuit yeah. at, at the same time uh but not college circuit as bill grundfest funny guy i did a one-man show a one-man play mm. called is there life after college yeah and it followed a kid going through four years of school at whatever college i happened to be at yeah well the thing is it was total horseshit total <laughs> bullshit. <laughs> it was just my act in four different sections with some wraparound <laughs> stuff. Oh, now uh-huh. I'm a freshman. Now I'm a sophomore. It's total horseshit. Uh-huh. But, but the kids enjoyed it. And, uh, and I was making great money mm. because as funny guy, Bill Grundfest, I wouldn't have been able to make $15 a show. Yeah. But as a play ah. with a title, yeah. <laughs> and the set Uh-huh. and now it's a theater piece yes you know well i was making great money yes crazy money um moved to new york started a club on the upper west side mm. in the back room of a barbecue joint a very big barbecue joint we all love barbecue yeah well it, they had a party room uh-huh and uh, that was my first place in in New York, uh, and I was booking Bill Maher and Rita Rudner and Jonathan Solomon and Gabe Abelson and Ron Derian and Frankie Pace, and I mean, wow. some of these people are still around, and and hmm. some you know become writers, and some we don't know what the hell
2: happened. Yeah,
1: um, and got some great reviews from the New York newspapers. Yeah but I saw that it wasn't going to be a serious thing. It wasn't going to last. Okay. And I was looking for a place, uh, for another place. Um, I called Dom Irera, do you know Dom? Yes. Uh, <laughs> I called Dom. Uh-huh. And I said, Dom, I don't think this thing's really got legs, you know, and I'm looking for another place. He said, hey, why don't you go down a, little, uh, down a village, you know, why don't you? That's my Dom Rare impression. It's
3: very good. It's Is it good? good yeah.
1: Is it good? Um, you know, we wanted down, down the village, full people, go, you know, going to see what the fuck's going on down there. I go, you know, okay, you know, you're right. I should, I should go huh. So I went down to the village with new eyes, you know, specifically looking for a place. And I noticed that there was this ant trail of pedestrians that went from 6th Avenue, I got out of the subway at 6th mm-hmm. Avenue and 3rd Street. Mm-hmm. And I noticed that there was this uh, trail of pedestrians. They would go from 6th Avenue, they'd go up 3rd to McDougal, they make a right turn on McDougal, and then make a left turn on Bleecker. And they'd stop uh, at uh, like LaGuardia uh, as if uh, the, world, the world is flat. And <laughs> if you go past LaGuardia, you'll fall off the end of the. <laughs> There's dragons past LaGuardia. <laughs> And I said to myself, "If I, because on Sullivan dead, on Thompson dead, nothing, nothing on McDougal. So I said, if I could find some place along this ant trail, mm-hmm. we might have something. Yes. And I went in every upstairs, downstairs, back room thing. Went every place yes. in that, and the and the and I walked past what is now the comedy cellar two or three times. Yeah. Because it did not look appetizing. <laughs> it was a cellar. Uh-huh. Literally. And dark stairs.
2: Uh-huh. uh-huh.
1: And down at the bottom of the staircase of fluids that I could not identify. This was New York in i was about you know, to say it's called New York character, it's not called fluids. Don't be rude. Yeah, New York 1981. You yeah. know, that's what it was called, you know. That's <laughs> That's before it got, you know, before the m m store opened in Times Square, you yeah. know, uh-huh. before it became safe. Yeah. You know, it was still where you got to, you know, uh-huh. what was that? <laughs> <laughs> uh-huh. You know, which was a good way to, to grow up. You know, mm-hmm. you grow up, you know, you get tough or die. You know, it's like Boy mm-hmm. Named Sue. You know, you grow up in New York. You got to watch out. It's always going to uh, be a part of me no matter where I am yeah that's right mm-hmm. and, and you will always be a part of it um, so I, I I walked past a couple of times and um and then my my go to maneuver was um, when I went into a place i'd i'd go to the the i'd go to the men's room mm-hmm. because I knew that the the spot, the space that I was looking for would be right next to the bathroom. Okay. So, uh, and they said, oh yeah, it's downstairs. And I walked into the olive tree and it was, you know, it was Charlie Chaplin on uh, on the walls, mm-hmm. you know, the Chaplin movies and slate tables and yeah. chalk and the whole thing. And I walked down and I, down the uh, the stairs and I walked into this room and I'm telling you, Jackie, it was like the, the the curtains parted and the angels had horns and they, it was like, the, I saw the whole thing in front of my eyes what as I walked there? into that room. It was, it was low ceilings. It was brick walls. It was mahogany was stained glass. It was a piano. It was, it was, uh, you know, it. What I could just see it. It to me, it was the quintessential Greenwich Village comedy club. Wow! If you wrote it, people would go, "Yeah, it's a little on the nose." Uh huh. You know, it's a little. It, it was perfect. Wow! And um, so I, I, I asked if the uh, if the uh, owner was around, uh-huh. and fortunately, he was. Uh-huh. And uh, that was Manny. Yeah. Noam's, Noam's dad. Oh. And uh, I said I had my little attaché case with my uh, my reviews uh-huh. printed up, xeroxed. <laughs> and uh, I said, "What are you doing? Uh, you know, downstairs." He said, well, "We have a, P- a Brazilian piano bar." You know, now most people who are not Jews would say, "Oh, all right." Okay, sorry to trouble you and would leave. Yeah. But to me the word no is just the beginning of a conversation. Ooh, go. Look at you dropping those gems. <laughs> when somebody says no, it doesn't mean no. It doesn't. That's it, they're just starting a conversation with you. Yeah. Wow. So and that's it's true for relationships too, you know.
3: <laughs> okay.
1: Some call it stalking, but
0: <laughs> don't call it catching a charge. But whatever, tomato, tomato. <laughs> you know.
1: If you want to judge the past through the lens of today, go ahead. I can't stop you. But that's not how I roll. Um so so he said we're doing a Brazilian piano bar. I said, well, what time do you get busy? And he said, at oh, 10 o'clock. Perfect. I, oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. How about this? Mm-hmm. So I, wanted, I I showed him the, the reviews.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: I said, this is what I've been doing uptown. I'm looking for a new spot.
3: Oh.
1: So he saw, okay, well, he's got some reviews. He seems mm-hmm. like a nice guy. He's got an attache case. He, that he always dressed, means official. That's always. He dressed up to come and look. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um. I said, how about this? I want to start a comedy club and uh, we can do it thursday friday saturday nights eight o'clock we'll be out by 10. so your folks won't even know that we've been there Mm -hmm. if your people come earlier than 10 they can come with no cover charge they can Mm -hmm. come as our guests whatever and that way the room will be alive yeah. Before the Brazilian thing happens, mm-hmm. there will already be people in the room. Yeah. And it'll have a whole better feel. For and then we'll have a cover charge. We'll have a minimum. I'll pay for the comics. I'll yeah. pay to get the crowd. I'll wow. do all of that. There's no way. You don't have to pay for anything. Yeah. And there'll be a cover in the middle. You sell food and beverage and everything. And uh, there's no way for you to lose.
2: Mm-hmm. Will
1: you win a lot? Will you win a little? I don't know.
2: Yeah,
1: but I know there's no way for you to lose. Mm -hmm. And he pretended that he understood what I was talking about, and I pretended I understood what I was talking about. (laughs) Uh And we shook hands, and uh, we start on a Thursday night. That Saturday, two days later, we had repeat business from the Thursday. Wow. So, and it was always a showcase format. How many comics did you have on your shows? Um. Everybody was doing twenty-minute sets. Damn. Yeah. Doing 20 <laughs> well, that minute... is, that's how it is now. Sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> well, sometimes it's a little shorter. You know, yeah, yeah. a little short. But uh, yeah, everybody was doing like twenty-minute sets, and I would do like a two-hour show. Mm-hmm. So uh, three six plus me. So I would I would host.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: And in the beginning, it was just one one long show.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Um. And then soon we'd crowded out the Brazilian piano bar uh, because Manny was a you know a good businessman he could yeah. see uh this this is working. Mm-hmm. And then during the so then we moved from one show a night, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, then we we added a second show Saturday, then we had a second show Friday, then we went to seven nights a week. Uh, <laughs> all but the the show seven nights a week like sunday through thursday the shows was one long show started uh-huh. started nine ended two and um you could come you could go mm-hmm.
3: uh
1: so we would we would but everybody would be doing like doing like you know 20 minutes mm-hmm. uh plus me i was hosting everything and uh, every show most all most. Every, all week long um I, I would let I I would let other guys do Monday and Tuesday okay. because I needed I rest. needed rest. Yeah. And then John Stewart, he likes to tell this story about mm-hmm. uh I so I, I I, so fell in love with John. Yeah. And I don't fall in love with anybody.
0: Uh excuse you. <laughs> Except you. Thank you.
1: Okay, go ahead. <laughs> um, but um, when I when 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 John came, mm-hmm. he came on an not an audition night, but like an audition time. It would be like yeah. Tuesday midnight to two, mm-hmm. and uh, and he came, and you know I, I didn't like anybody, but. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> And it's not that he got any laughs, he didn't get any laughs. But Uh what he was trying to do was really interesting. Mm
3: -hmm.
1: He was trying his observations about society, Mm
3: -hmm. about
1: politics, about whatever the hell it was. It -hmm. was his observations themselves that were laugh provoking. In spite of the fact, and this goes back to what I was saying previously parsing out do I listen to the audience or do I listen to me? Mm -hmm. Um, So even though he couldn't buy a laugh, um, he couldn't buy a laugh with a fistful of fifties in a horror house. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) Um, What he was doing, I felt immediately needed to be supported. Mm
3: -hmm.
1: And I said afterwards, after his set, and he's, he was a pure monologist. Mm -hmm. I don't know what that is. Let me ask you this question, Jackie.
0: What's a monologist? A monologue? A guy with that does monologues?
1: Yeah, it's a person who stands at a microphone and talks. Okay, gotcha. What are you going to ask me now? Here's my here's my question. Mm-hmm. There, there used to be so many different types of comics. Yeah. And it's not that I don't love monology, mm-hmm. but I wonder what happened to all the other styles.
0: I think, I think the quest to be famous in some way, shape or form has kind of made the desire to be
1: different dissipate throughout the years. Oh, but that's just the exact opposite of what one needs to do.
0: And I know but I just know. And I I have fallen victim to it also where you get so caught up in the when is my next opportunity going to come that you forget about, well, just be really be a great, innovative, different. Be you. Don't worry about what the bookings are going to be and what's going to come in your way, come your way. Just get better at what you do. And that's kind of gotten fallen by the wayside because, Everybody wants to, you know, they want credit for what they can do for the craft. And they want at, you know, by any means necessary.
1: Here, Norm Crosby died, right? We were talking yeah. about Norm Crosby, right? His act was malaprops. He would, he would butcher the English language <laughs> in a very funny way. Yeah. Right? Use, you know, words that... I mean, you understood what he was saying, but it was clearly the wrong words or whatever. Yeah. It, it was a unique act. Yeah. Uh, Rickles was an insult comic. Yeah. Um, Mike Nichols and Elaine May, you know, or Rowan and Martin. New or, uh, Well, I'll, I'll get to him, right? Okay. But So you had the double acts, yeah. right? Yeah. We had a, a, two guys, Smothers Brothers, mm-hmm. you know, two guys doing music, you know? Yeah. Two, here, here are two folk singers. Oh, boy, wait a second. Yeah. You know, they're not just folk singers. They're hilarious. Yeah, and they're brothers, and they have this. You're, you know, mom always liked you best. Yeah, sibling. It was a play. It was theater. Yeah, yeah. you had ventriloquists. You had Carl Ballantyne doing, you know, comedy magic. You had. I mean, there were, and and you could go. You could go really highbrow. You know, Mike Nichols and Elaine May. They were mm. on Broadway. They were the toast of Broadway. Wow. Two people yeah. doing doing scenes, mm-hmm. you know that were built from improv and then they became scenes. Mm-hmm. You can go that and you can go, you know, all the way to, to low comedy mm-hmm. and still be a double act. Yeah. I, what I'm saying is, especially now when everybody when there's so many comics. That's so many. There's so many. You know, forget it. When I started, there were 300 comics in the country, and now there's 300 <laughs> comics on your block. <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. Um, being different is so important. You know, Newhart, the telephone act, there were five people doing telephone acts, right? Newhart did, and you could see the whole scene yeah. from what he was implying from his end of the phone conversation. Yeah. But Newhart was doing that. Shelley Berman was doing that. Betty Walker uh, Mm -hmm. was doing that you know there are probably five people doing telephone acts I guess what I'm saying is um, that getting laughs for a comic today and I could be wrong Mm -hmm. I've been wrong before my wife assures me (laughs) how is it possible to be wrong this much (laughs)
0: Just because of your anatomy, it's a given you're going to be wrong
1: a lot. But a marsupial, <laughs> just just the odds, uh-huh. a marsupial throwing darts at random uh-huh. would be right more.
0: <laughs> sometimes you're not. Oh, sometimes the man is not wrong. But we, God forbid, we don't want you to think you're right. We got to keep you in line. Yeah. It's control a lot of it, control you.
1: I'm sitting in a house in Bel Air that I bought, and I'm going, <laughs> What the? Fuck? Thank you I for your breath. You- thank, thank you for the gift, but you have no power here. My, yeah. <laughs> anyway, what is my point? My point is that uh-huh. getting laughs is necessary but insufficient. Mm. To become a star mm. today, being different is almost more important Ooh. than being great Ooh. i'm not speaking as a comedy purist when i say that yeah because as a purist i go be great however you're going to be great yeah but as a whore which i i wear the badge proudly
3: mm-hmm.
1: because to me it's show business mm. It's not show art as somebody Mm. once said,
2: Yeah,
1: Uh, it's show business. To me, when there's so many people doing it, um, being different is, I don't want to say it's the first thing, Mm. but it's one, it's one B. Mm
3: -hmm.
1: So you got to break through the clutter and how you do that? You know, everybody does it in a different way. but there's got to be a reason for this person to be on that stage and not be replaceable mm. by a thousand other people. yeah. So you know, and there have been music acts, you know, comedy music acts, and there's all kinds of different ways to uh, to do stand up and i don't know where all the other ways went i missed them you know a lot
0: of the other ways i have witnessed at the comedy and magic club like i I, you go there to watch a show or to be part of a show and it could be a ventriloquist a juggler a magician and then in there somewhere a stand-up comic you know then an illusionist illusionist so i've i've had an honor to work the club that i've seen a mixture of what you're describing but outside of there, I I don't see much of it. I agree with you.
1: Yeah, so I I kind of miss it. But anyway, so uh so the clo so the seller did very well. Mm-hmm. Um, I I left because uh, I could see that because I was thirty four at the time,
3: mm-hmm.
1: and I'd had my radio show mm-hmm. on NBC. I had done a couple of specials for VH1, mm. which I which were not stand-up specials. They wanted me, they approached me about doing a stand-up special. And I knew something that they did not know. What's this? What I knew was that I stunk. <laughs> okay. I would do very well with the audiences, but there was no real there there. Okay. And so I said to them, hey, how about this? For the same money that you would spend on a stand-up special, Mm. I will write a a story-based special that will wrap around your music videos. Because VH1 was a music video channel. Yeah. And so uh, the music, uh, the, 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 the songs that we'll use we'll select them to advance the story and i'll write it and i'll star in it and i'll cast it and all that they pretended that they understood what i was talking about i, I pretended knew i knew what i was talking, I was talking about. about yeah you'll you'll notice the key to success in show business is be full of shit but look them straight in the eye as though it's totally real with charisma with charisma and totally real there's no doubt but that this is gonna be it <laughs> and they know you're lying they know you're full of shit. <laughs> but they're saying if he's this full of shit, that he can pull it off like this uh-huh. he might be able to pull it off because uh-huh. everybody that comes in this office is full of shit. yeah yep so <laughs> I did a first a first uh, a special called Bill's Date. It was a romantic comedy. It was like a Woody Allen, you know, mm-hmm. nice Jewish comic uh, mm-hmm. and the shiksa goddess, you know, the blonde yeah. that he falls in love with. Um, and it went very well. And they asked yeah. me to do a second one. And I wrote, yeah. uh, a, they asked me to do an evergreen uh, special uh-huh. uh, that they could run every year. Okay. And I said, You mean like Thanksgiving or Christmas? They go, Yeah, Thanksgiving or Christmas. And yeah. so I wrote a thing. <laughs> I wrote a thing called "The Chicken That Ate Christmas," and um, it was about a, a, a terrible guy. It, it was a very early use of green screen. Mm-hmm. I wanted to look like a Christmas card. I didn't want it to look realistic. Yeah, it was a Christmas show. I wanted to look like a Christmas card. Yeah, and um, it was about a guy who was a real ass.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: And uh, he was such an ass that he played by me. <laughs> I know what you're saying. <laughs> <laughs> um, he was such an ass. He worked for a. He was such an ass that he he worked for a, a company that made chemical waste. Okay. Not the chemicals, just the
3: waste.
1: <laughs> and. Uh, it was a kind of romantic comedy thing, uh-huh. but a little high concept. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if you know Patty Rosborough; she played, uh, she played my fiance, uh-huh. and uh, Reggie McFadden. Do you know Reggie?
0: That sounds familiar. Yeah,
1: a whole, tall, tall African American comic uh-huh. who uh, played an elf uh-huh. before before they did the movie. You uh-huh. know, before way before yeah. Will Ferrell did it. Mark Cohen. Okay. Uh, Oh, Mark. Mark. Uh He played played a guy in a chicken suit. Uh (laughs) Who was my guardian chicken? He saved my life. I'm going to jump out. I was going to commit suicide. The character is going to commit suicide, Uh and he gets saved by his guardian chicken. And uh, who better than Mark Cohen?
0: Yes. Oh, for the for the for the viewers, when the Comedy Center opens back up in Las Vegas at the Rio Hotel, Mark Cohen is the resident host. So. When COVID goes away, you know. Okay, go ahead.
1: <laughs> and so, uh, but I saw that uh, I so what I saw was that the writing, my writing, was cutting through in a way that me as a performer was not. And I uh-huh. was thirty-four at the time, and I said, you know, I can see forty coming up,
3: uh-huh. and
1: uh, I'm not going to be very. I'm not going to be the cute, you know, neighbor at uh, 40, you know, I don't think there's a sitcom coming in my future. Uh-huh. Uh, but this writing thing seems to be speaking to people. Yeah. And so I wrote my scripts and I, 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 I came to Hollywood.
3: Uh-huh.
1: Um, and, you know, and I got to say that, as far as the comedy seller goes, um, maybe I got the seller through its high school graduation
3: mm-hmm
1: um uh, but noam has taking has taken it to levels that neither manny nor i ever imagined really really he uh he has led this operation with such um Really, I I don't even know what the word is. I
0: would say sanity because I I interviewed him two nights ago, and I said to him, "No, I'm most impressed that you run this r- seemingly really complicated club, several locations, and you always seem a little bit stressed, but you still seem sane. You still seem like you can converse, and you're drink you're sleeping at night, drinking water. Like you still seem- you have your wits about you, but you have a, a- eleven shows a night
1: in each venue." And it's been going on for years. And did he tell you, he he likes to say this, did he what? say, look, I just turned the lights on? He, yeah. And I keep telling him, I keep saying, no, no, you don't. <laughs> you do a lot more than that. Yeah. But I gotta tell you how right he is. Yes. He's the only person, I really do think he's the only person I can say this about. He's the only person
3: yeah. that
1: if I don't agree with him about something, I changed my mind. <laughs> <laughs> I debate with him a lot. I'm, and I'm kind of like, are you always like this dude? That's that's who he is. Yeah. But I mean, I don't, I don't mean just politically. No. I, I mean, everything. No. I mean everything he, he really is right a lot and the leadership and the creativity and the way that he has approached growing and, 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 making the club what it has become, mm. you know, I, look, I'm happy to take credit for having birthed it and got, got it through high school, but yeah. he has gotten it through college and graduate school and, and, you know, busted it out. And, and, uh, and he
0: mentioned this, so it wouldn't be me making a reveal that's confidential. They were trying to open up another one when COVID happened, another location.
1: Um you know he's insane. Well it, no, it, it's it's fantastic, it's wonderful. It, it, listen, you you when you're the best that there is, mm. then and you're selling out all of your shows, all of them, and there are clubs that are doing well on your overflow, yeah. <laughs> On your overflow yeah there are clubs that are doing great yeah because of all the people who can't get into the comedy cellar Mm -hmm. then you have a responsibility to yourself as a business person Mm -hmm. and if you care to the audience and Mm -hmm. bring the level that best in class Mm. quality to as many people as possible yeah so uh yeah more more locations if 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 he uh shared that with you i uh, i would say great mm-hmm. so um but but yeah he you know it's 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 fine for me to get some credit but he has done a, an unbelievable and Esty, you know how do we not talk about esty talk about another one
0: one that i'm like i can't believe you're so you know sane all the time
1: he's sane in spite of having to book a million shows a week nobody there's no booker there's no show producer in the world that has to populate this many shows a night a night, a week, a year, there's nobody. In different locations. <laughs> in different locations. Uh-huh. And in a way that has taste and in a way where the show builds properly
3: mm-hmm.
1: um, so that the audience is happy uh, with the experience.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, she's the wind beneath the wings. Mm-hmm. Um, Of course, I taught her everything she knows.
0: (laughs) Well, this this knowledge has to come from someplace, so that's okay. (laughs) You
1: know, I mean, Uh I met her, you know, she didn't know which way to point the microphone, but yeah. (laughs) No, she, it's, it's really unbelievable. Mm -hmm. Uh, And, 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 you know, the, their Manny used to say, not that he came up with it, but Mm -hmm. used to say the fish stinks from the head down. Mm Mm-hmm. And that's true. Yeah, And, uh, you know, Noam has surrounded himself with people who are great people.
0: Yeah, shout out to Liz Furiosity, Furiosity, who's a GM who helps run yeah. everything, and she's also part of the machine. And yeah, now.
2: yeah,
1: they <laughs> and, and and you know, they don't they don't get talked about enough, and no. they do an unbelievable job. You know, so, you know, of course, when I was doing it, I would do everything myself.
0: <laughs> Look at all these, they have a staff. I, don't, uh, I, don't, I was
1: the staff. <laughs> I was there, I know, started to open the lights and this. And had to, we, you, had to Hass, we had to call, we had, we had an Egyptian cook, um, Hassan, tall uh-huh. Egyptian cook. So if we had to throw anybody out,
2: uh-huh. I'd go
1: get Hassan. Yeah. You know, so then you had this, you know, Egyptian and this Jew working together <laughs> to throw a drunk from Jersey out, you know. Do you miss it? I do. You I do? do. Um, I, and I don't, I, well, yeah, there, first I miss the feeling of being young.
0: You know what? You seemed like you were having so much fun when I saw you laugh at the cellar. I I could tell like you were like you know I miss not sleeping and eating right and st- and sitting at a table and talking for hours. I saw the joy come back into your face.
1: It, and that's what it is. <laughs> that's what it is. It's pure joy. Mm-hmm. And um, and, and maybe it's you know sitting at the comedian's table. Um which which many and i invented no matter what nick DiPaolo tells you
0: <laughs> what did you what did you guys how do you mean you invented because what you think it would started like that no no Well, the comedians always sit in the same place everywhere to wait for their set but what made this different
1: no but that's not true when we were when no what was happening was yeah um the comics were taking up all the booths ah and so Manny would do, would say to me, listen, I, I don't want to upset anybody, but uh, can you do something? <laughs> yeah. And I was thinking about it. I go, well, I don't want to be, you know, you know, the stern dad,
0: we got to make but, money guy to get, get the fuck up and sit someplace else.
1: Yeah. No, I didn't want to say that. No. <laughs> okay. Got it. That <laughs> because the, because the, the whole DNA of, of the seller, which, mm-hmm. which we haven't spoken about, but, the DNA of the seller,
3: mm-hmm.
1: and it's it's what I call it the DNA because it's what I built the place on, okay. and what Noam has um, brought into full blossom. All right, is respect.
2: Mm. Uh,
1: as a comic, in those days, um, I knew that when I was at Catcher Rising Star or the Improv or the Comic Strip. Mm-hmm one thing they never paid me with was respect.
2: Oh, wow.
1: And it was, you know, if you were hot, you know, but the way I got comics to come downtown was by paying them a little more than they were getting uptown and by treating them. What's Uh, that? It is far. It's far. (laughs) No, enough to pay for the cab, you know, from the improv to the cellar and back. Yeah. Um, But also treating people with genuine affection. Yeah. Which I had and have for anybody that has the balls to get up on that stage and to try this most peculiar of all art forms mm-hmm. uh i respect just the very attempt it doesn't mean i'm going to book you
0: <laughs> what, I, what i love about how much they respect the comics is that that McDougal location when i walk in the door to start my evening of shows someone from the very gracious waitstaff hands me a bottle of water before i even get take like, up, up the last step and i'm just like you know how that feels? You feel like, I, I, did I make it? I, I made it. It's an amazing feeling.
1: Yeah. You know, uh, Chris Rock was in the paper. Uh, uh, they asked him years ago. And he said, the difference is when I go to other clubs, I get questions like, hey, Chris, can we get tickets for your show on the this? And hey, Chris, can you sign this picture? For the... And when I go to the Comedy Cellar, I get questions like, hey, Chris, would you like us to park your car? Hey Chris, what would you like to drink? Wow. Hey Chris, can we get your coat? You know, and yes. it's not the, And the thing is, you know, people are smart. If that was a put on, they would know. You couldn't. You couldn't. You couldn't keep it going mm-hmm. for all these years. Yeah, yeah. But the fact is that um, we love comics, mm-hmm. and we respect them, and we the fact that we can be a clubhouse.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: So. Okay, so the comics were sitting in all these tables, right? Yes, yes. And then, um, and then Manny and I um, were in the office. In those days, the office—it <laughs> was like this. It wasn't even a closet. Uh-huh. And we'd go back there, and I don't want to say what we used to do, but <laughs> <laughs> I am so sad.
0: I became a comic long after those days were done. I'd be dead by now. But go ahead, sorry. <laughs>
1: and uh, and we said okay well what if instead of saying that the comics had to sit at one table we said the comics get to sit Ooh, at this table psychology that was reserved just for and if you were not if you had not passed if you were not a seller act Yes. you could not sit at that table yes so only seller acts and what happened from that was in addition to what you see now sitting around the table mm-hmm. it it really helped the quality control issues mm-hmm. because that now instead of if if somebody didn't show up for their 10 20 spot instead of me having to call the improv to see if Steve Scrovan was there, Mm -hmm. I could go up to the comedian's table and see who was sitting there. And I'm not gonna,
0: as experienced as I think that I am, when I am done for the night, if I don't go right home, if I decide to stay there and hang out, if somebody's late or doesn't show up and they're like, Jackie, you're next. I'm like, the amount of nerves I get with that unexpected Colin Quinn is not here yet. You wanna, I'm like, usually I gotta get my head right. I don't want, and so the impromptu go up and replace who's not here makes my stomach hurt, but it's such an honor. Cause they're like, you're here. So go do, they don't don't even ask. They just tell you you're next. I'm like, next for what? (laughs) So-and-so is not here. Okay, then I walk downstairs and I do
1: it. I don't ask any questions. And, And I think that that is true of you i mean here you have been you've done big television shows you've been in much bigger places than downstairs at the cellar Mm -hmm. but being there is such a grounding experience Mm -hmm. you know so you're sitting at the at the table right and around this table and and this is what you were seeing, I don't know if you saw my any of my sets that I did when I was back in New York when we were at the. You safe. didn't do any. I didn't. We didn't. I didn't say any shows no. did. No. I did. I did like four sets while I, I didn't was. see any of them. No, because I don't want to embarrass myself. Oh, stop. Um, but I did like fifteen minutes of entirely new material. Nice. And it it went very nicely. Of you know, went very nicely. I don't want to say that I totally crushed. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know how humble you are. Well, you know, but you know, look, you're you're going up with with 15 minutes of never before done material.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, so, um, but at the Comedians' Table to see uh, comics that are doing very well. Mm-hmm. You know, have got money. And have gotten, everybody knows who they are. Mm-hmm. And comics who are, for whatever, who are great.
0: Popular, but, but not famous.
1: But not famous. Yeah. Don't have that money. All of that. Mm-hmm. And to see them become a family. Yeah. Around that tape.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: And
1: talking about each other's lives. Yeah. And each other's, to talk about each other's stuff. What you see is people who care yeah and 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 part of the joy that you were seeing in Mm -hmm. my face was a paternal feeling of look what i started
2: yeah
3: oh you cry
1: go ahead you know so and then and then i'd go outside and i'd see people leaving you know three rooms (laughs) Thousands of people, every yeah. week, thousands of people every week, they're leaving the rooms, New Yorkers, yeah, laughing, uh huh, sm- happy, yeah. <laughs> they, they paid good money, and they are happy having done so. Yeah, and I was looking at that, and I said to Rick, you know, Rick, Rick Crome. yeah, and I said to Rick, uh, who's you know like my New York wife, you know, mm-hmm. um. I said, you know, it's a business whose mission as a business is to make people happier than when they came in. Mm-hmm. I said, I don't know what it is, but it ain't nothing.
0: You know what? Part of my, my private prayer before they introduced me to go up at wherever I go up, I always say, God, these people took a shower, may have gotten baby, babysitters. You, you've probably been in their phone and their calendar all week. It's not you then the show. So when you get on that stage, give them what they
1: came here for.
0: That is my one and ongoing prayer before I say word.
1: Yes. God I, bless I, you for saying that. I've, I have said to unfortunately more than one comic, yeah. I've said almost exactly that, Yeah. So, you know, back in the day i say, listen, you don't have to do your A material all the time, but these people have met you more than halfway yeah they got a babysitter they parked a car they bought tickets and the thing and two drink minimum you, you know i'm not saying do your road act every time yeah you know but before, bring it yeah <laughs> come on yeah yeah you know because otherwise me and rick we, we can sing you know gilligan's island again and they'll be very happy with that you never saw me and rick uh, do our tv theme song no i right. i want to <laughs> you should have seen it we would have this <laughs> this is ni- the 1980s we uh-huh. would have new yorkers right who outside on McDougal street these people wouldn't piss on each other if they were on fire <laughs> uh-huh. inside we had the whole crowd singing tv theme songs together together uh-huh. loud yeah. Gilligan's Island, Flintstones, Adam's Family. Yeah. Of course, Alan Havey would look daggers at us. Why? You know? Oh no, Alan hated. He certainly hated following that bullshit. Oh, hated Alan. It. I love. It. Listen, and he, you know, he'd be giving us the light you know, <laughs> and <he'd be, laughs> off you know, the stage, and he'd be going, ah, he'd be making uh-huh. all kind of the hallway, you know, under the light, and, uh-huh. you know, <laughs> And we just be singing brady bunch and you know <laughs> we have our little jokes our little you know double act off of theme yeah anyway um yeah we, look when covid is over um then god willing uh when it's over we'll mm-hmm. we'll all be back
0: yes and when you come spend more time and let me know when you're here because last wasn't a surprise i think i that i walked in the club when you were there you didn't it give me any of no heads up, no email, no. no text. Next time I need for you to give me a bulletin so I could buy an outfit.
1: <laughs> I <laughs> hope it see. won't be the same outfit that I'll be wearing.
0: You know what? I don't judge. <laughs> it's 2020.
1: Be you, Bill. Be you. Listen, I just want to say that Tuesday nights are mine. That's all <laughs> I'm <I've been>.
0: saying. <laughs> all right. I, for, I, I didn't forget, but I have,
1: a, I have a Zoom show in 20 minutes. Oh, my God. And tell, me, and I, tell me something. How many people have we put into a coma? No. Okay. First of
0: all, Oh, my phone died. I have no idea, <clears throat> but I'm gonna, well, it was 31 when I last checked when I post by the time this ends the live on YouTube, at least 500 will have watched the streaming and then there'll be a rewatch gang. And then when I post it, I guarantee you at least a thousand by tomorrow afternoon.
1: Now, wait a second. If I go to YouTube,
0: yeah go to you go to my page and you, you'll you see people chit chatting and you'll see how many people are watching it should be at least 20.
1: well and what is your page jackie fabulous yes.
0: yes and you should see our our boxes up there and it says live do you see it
1: um i i don't know my <laughs> wait a second hold on <laughs> i'm looking jackie fabulous you know, I see, I see, I see, uh, you see us live? I don't see us live, but uh, it's because, um, wait a second, so if I go to
0: your page. We should be the, we should be the first one on there, hopefully, live. Do you see it? Um, no. No. <laughs> All right. I don't know
1: why. Okay. <clears throat> um all right jackie it was oh now i'm watching you on the quarterfinals
0: there it is oh no don't click on anything else (laughs) this is like us just having a telephone call but it's the whole world's watching isn't that beautiful
1: it's unbelievable it is jackie thank you so much for letting me be a part of your um media empire
0: Thank you, and like you uh, said so eloquently in this hour and a half that you have to find out, you have to find what make you you and deliver that. And that's what I'm doing instead of waiting for someone to be like, we're gonna give you a show, Jackie. You you know how badly I want my own show. And I have one and you're on it right now. Yay. Yay. <laughs> what do you got coming up that you want to tell the people about? Anything to look out for?
1: Um, I'm actually developing a- two projects that are okay. moving along very nicely one is a, a half hour uh, half hour comedy okay um, that is uh, very female driven and I didn't get a phone call um uh, we're still we, we have we have a star
0: okay um,
1: you know like a, a star that means something yes um, but uh, but uh, I'm not saying you won't get a phone call.
0: I'm just saying, if I see the show on the air and your name in the credits and I'm in my house, I'm going to come down there, set the whole set on fire. Just, just so you know. No well, one gets to do the show if I don't get to do it. No one does it if I
1: don't do it. And then I have another one that's actually, it's an hour long show. Okay. Um, that is very um, kind of male, that is male driven. Okay. And uh, it's an hour long dramedy.
0: All right, I can also drama dramify if you need me to.
1: Not a word. So, so, uh, <laughs> so yeah, things are you know things are going well. Uh, COVID hasn't really hurt that part. Good, good. Um, I'm glad you know, of of what I do. But um, man, this uh, this uh, COVID thing is losing its charm.
0: It is, but God willing, I'm looking at it this way. The second wave, I look at it optimistically as this is the last wave. If we can get through this wave. There'll be a vaccine. We'll either get the vaccine or lie and say we got it <laughs> and get back to work.
1: I, I I'm I'm gonna leave on a positive, optimistic note and yes. just agree with everything you just said.
0: That's all you should ever have been doing all these years of friendship is just That's what my friend. wife keeps saying. And we're females, Bill, stop fighting it. It's not about you. <laughs> Thank you, Billy Grunfess. I love you very much.
1: Thank you, Jackie Fabius. Love you very much. Always always a pleasure to see you. I'm going to go right to the, I'm going to find how many people have viewed this so far.
0: Okay. (laughs) Bye. Bye.